Welcome to For What It's Worth, introduction to and exploration of the furry fandom, now in its 10th glorious season. There are certain women I just want to bitch slap. <laughs> so in summary, people are awful. <laughs> it's it's kind of true. Banana conda. I'm a horrible person. You leave stuff laying around? I'm a really bad person. Ooh, welcome to my quest womb. Pull that record. We're done. Abort. Hey, hey, I'm talking crusty. I don't know why I thought that would be a good intro, but that's what we went with. So, hello, hey, I'm Nuka. Hey, folks. <laughs> and, uh, I, I love well, it. That's a good opening. We're, we're back. And talking over each other. Awesome. I know. N- we're doing great intro. today. Absolutely. Awesome. I think that we're going to talk over each other the whole time. In no way does this bode poorly for the episode. No, not at all. So. But it's uh, it's good to be here. It's good to be back, Rue. How you how you been doing? You know, I've been doing great. I had another um, time around the sun. You know, a travel uh, around the sun. So it's, how's it that working my, for you? It's good. It was my birthday. Um, Which one is that one? Is that the the big three O, or are you after that? Uh, you know, I somebody just barely said said to me the other day. They're like, "Oh, you're 21, right?" And I'm like, "Yeah, totally, 100 percent." Um, I'm totally 21. I am going to go out and have my first drink today. 100%. So, <laughs> um, no, it's not the big three O, but you know, it's, I'm, I'm getting up there in years. Somebody the other day was looking at my hair and they were like, Rue, what's happened? You've turned into a gray muzzle. <sighs> so now my hair has a little speckles of gray in it. So I guess, I guess I'm just getting older. So, <sighs> I'm sad, but do anything special for your birthday at least? Uh, no. Uh, yeah, I did. I had, uh, I had a bunch of my friends over. It was, it was great. It was enjoyable. I got a, um, I just barely finished this great big, huge Bowser laser Lego set. I love the thing. Um, so, uh, my significant other ended up getting me another, um, Lego set. So instead it's the question mark block, but it's for, um, it has like Nintendo 64 for scenes in it. So you can okay. like open up the, the box and it has little scenes. So that will be fun to put together. But um, other than that, I really haven't been up to um, too much more, except I've been getting more and more into VR chat, which I know that we've done some VR chat episodes. I now have my own avatar and let me tell you, it helps. Like I've done VR chat before as like other random animals. Mm-hmm. And it's it's completely different than, you know, when you're actually yourself in VR. Yeah. Um, I, I think that that would probably be the same as like wearing. It makes it more immersive. Yeah. It, it's definitely like as if you were to go to a convention and wear somebody's other fursuit. It would be fun and it would be enjoyable yeah. to do that. But, but you're a character, not you. Exactly. Exactly. But when you're you, it's just, it's, it's completely different. And so, um, I've been really enjoying, uh, my time in there. I've been playing escape rooms, running away from zombies, different things like that. But, um, it's been pretty fun. Nuka, what have you been up to? I would, I would be pulling out my hair if I had any hair left to pull out. <laughs> it is. It's been very stressful, a good kind of stress. Like I can't complain too too much about uh, 
so, so so still ongoing stress from from home ownership i feel like i could do an entire podcast just on like advice for people who are just getting a home for the first time so i've been uh you know the the the, the notary has been contacted and or so the notary has been like everything's been signed off with the notary i've taken possession of the house uh but we're not moving in for a few weeks so we're hiring contractors which is something i've never done before so uh, figuring out contractors has been uh, an adventure and then realizing, oh, they it's going to take longer than expected. So I'm going to be moving into a new house, but I won't have a room or an office yet. Like, ah. <laughs> so no, um, and realizing, well, I can't set back the moving date now because we've got movers scheduled for a certain day. So yeah, it's, it's all these all these dates have been sort of planned in advance and, and realizing that they don't perfectly coordinate is is going to be uh, I'm sorry. exciting. That that's but on the other uh, in addition to that, I got uh, final exams coming up, which for every prof is kind of a nightmare. You get to mark final papers, final exams, and we're, we're having fun realizing that chat GPT is in fact a thing and that students are starting to realize this and starting to submit papers and exam questions generated by chat GPT. So we get to have a fun discussion in the department trying to figure out what are we, what are we going to do about this? Cause it's, you know, uh, detecting it is getting increasingly difficult um it's it's here to stay we can't just kind of hope it'll go away so um i think a lot of universities around the country are going to be trying to figure out what what do we do about this in the future and then uh oh, sorry go ahead it, no i was gonna ask i mean I, like because i've noticed that like i've seen I, i've seen like um like news articles and stuff like that so have you caught any students that have been using yep, chat yep. JP, gpt and how do you even how do you even know that do you have your own software that you like put the answer so there through? is some software which can probabilistically determine like it can't perfectly say this definitely came from an ai but it can say well there's like a 95 percent chance this was ai generated um but you can also look at things and say well okay this this you know i asked question x but this is like really vaguely talking about the subject without actually answering the question like a human probably would have understood to answer this question but this is just kind of bouncing around vaguely on the topic mm -hmm. um so that sort of thing and again it gets into ethical issues like okay so for students who used it i'm like is this considered cheating we didn't have a rule about it so like can we call it cheating and then like in the future right at what point you know it, we've accepted as university professors okay well spell check is allowed right and if a student starts their essay by by using a template to kind of build out, you know, to help them structure their this their um, essay to start. Well, that doesn't really count as cheating. So uh, I think it's just a matter of time before we get to the point where um, my, what, where I'm kind of going with it in the future, where I'm hoping to go is to say students can use it, but they have to call it. Like they have to say that they've used it on their exam beforehand and indicate the areas where they've been using it so that I can sort of scrutinize it accordingly rather than just claim that this is your own work without any sort of assistance whatsoever mm. i think that's the direction i'm going to try to go in and sort of teach students to use it as a tool to assist them rather than as just a device to generate an essay for them we'll see maybe that's pie in the sky <laughs> well no I, and and i don't, I don't want to like go into a chat gpt like discussion but it is a, a rampant thing and that's that's I know for myself, like even the art aspect, and we'll talk about this another time. Like I could see it being beneficial to be able to like create like an idea. And then yeah. based off of that idea, you can like, you know, 
it, it helps to, to visualize it as long as you you edit it and change it and make it your own. Yeah. But I, I yeah, I see the pluses and minuses, but I, I'm sorry you're going through that. That's like a huge struggle as a teacher, I'm sure. Because you want to make sure that your students are actually like engaged in doing something rather than just taking two seconds to to write an essay using yeah. a computer. And that's not the worst thing in the world. It's just sort of like it caught us all with our pants down. Like in our head, we kind of knew this was coming, but we figured we had a little more time before we'd have to talk about it. And it's like, okay, no, we're having to, we're, we're, we need to have this conversation now. So, but, and then in addition to that, I've got um, uh, Anthrocon. We got the Anthrocon study coming up in a few months. So I already have to get that into ethics. So we're already planning what questions are going to go on it. And as it turns out, in addition to Anthrocon, we're also very likely going to be giving a survey out in the uh, the VR convention, uh, Ferality, Ooh, at the start awesome. of June. They've uh, been very interested in helping us to sort of host one of our surveys there. So it'll be sort of a dual Anthrocon slash Ferality. It'll be a nice way to sort of compare and contrast what does an in-person sample look like versus a sample of people at an online furry convention. So, so if you're doing um, stuff at Ferality, I mean, you, you've talked on the show about how You've been basically getting your um, surveys taken, and that's by you going out and basically saying, "Hey, scan this VR code," and yep, you yep. know, different things like that, and go ahead and uh, and do the survey. How are you going to do that virtually and with virality? So we're still working the kinks out. Uh, I, I'm not a, I, I don't really use VR, so I'm not sure what it's going to look like. I imagine it'll be like the digital equivalent of, hey, click here, or here's a QR code in VR. Here's just a link in VR. Click on this to go be taken to a survey or something. So whatever the equivalent of that is. <laughs> gotcha. Well, I'm excited to see the, the uh, hear the results. We'll have to have a report from you after all that those studies are completed. It'll it'll be an interesting one. We've got some some quirky, wacky questions on there this year. So, yeah. Well, but uh, all this talking has made me hungry. I could sure go for a, a snack, some kind of cookie, perhaps. Well, you know what? I have one to share with you. Here, I'll I'll let you eat the cookie this time. Usually, I'm always the one that eats it, but I will let you eat it. And and but but you have to give me the fortune, and I'll read it. Okay. Nom nom nom. <laughs> Uh, okay. All right. So here we go. Your fortune, Nuka, says your problem has gotten bigger. Think about what you've done in bed with the cookie. Oh, dear. <laughs> I, 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 I haven't gotten a fortune like this before. What is up with this? I, I don't know. I don't know. But it's, it's I'm not sure I want to think about what I've done in bed with the cookie. <laughs> have a great 
episode to talk to talk about today. I'm super excited. Nuka, I know you're super excited. Tell us what we are going to be talking about today. Yeah, I'm pretty stoked. So we're talking about uh, barriers to fandom participation, which sounds like a weird topic, but it's actually inspired by uh, some research from one of our surveys a couple of years ago. It was actually a survey we ran during the pandemic. Uh, believe it or not, we were still collecting data during the pandemic. And uh, the idea was to try to understand, you know, um, both now, but all, like, during the pandemic, but also like in, in the before times, uh, what were the, the things that stopped people from getting involved? Like if you wanted to go to a convention or if you wanted to go to a local meetup or if you wanted to interact with furries online, was there ever anything that kind of stopped you from doing so? Because I think as a fandom, it's not a bad idea to know where are we perhaps inadvertently putting up barriers and stopping people from be, being able to participate if they want to. And so I just wanted to give you the results of the, the, the survey really quickly. And then I figured we could maybe go through them and talk about some of them. That sounds great. The, I mean, I, I'm excited about this particular topic. So it will be, it'll be interesting to, to kind of dive in into it a little bit further. I know for myself, I've had tons and tons of barriers in, in getting into the fandom. So I would, I'd love, I'm excited to, to see this study. So go ahead. So uh, when we asked people, we gave people a whole bunch of different items and we said, okay, which, you know, how, how big of a barrier has this particular thing been for you when it comes to going to conventions or meetups or online? And so in order, right, from sort of the biggest, most common issue to, to you know, uh, the, some of the more least common issues, uh, we have the number one being social anxiety uh, as being a big barrier. The second one was the pandemic. So that one is, is sort of situational. Um, the third one is uh, money. So money limitations. The fourth one is time. Uh, the fifth one is drama or conflicts. The sixth one being distance. And the last one being uh, sort of a combination of bigotry and like fear of being outed or being public as being furry. So just to sort of uh, uh, whet your appetite, those are the topics we'll be t covering. And I figured we could start with the biggest one. So the, the biggest barrier to to hanging out in a forum or maybe in VR chat or in uh, a convention or going to a meetup, social anxiety. Because I mean, I don't think I have to tell you furries are a wee bit socially awkward sometimes. <laughs> yeah, no, I understand. I have tons of social anxiety and, you know, I, I get it. I 100% understand. So, I mean, to everybody else i'm sure has tons of social anxiety as well so and i think a lot of people are surprised by that when i say that i have that particular social anxiety because i come across as like that i'm super i i'm able to jump out into a crowd and say hi everybody i'm rue hi you know but um man it takes a lot of energy and inside me i'm just like i'm I, yeah so I can see how that's 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 pretty big. Yeah, uh, when you think about it, so so I kind of wanted to go by different sort of outlets. Like so, for a convention, I think a lot of people, you know, when you're getting into the fandom, you think I can't wait to go to a furry convention and you know be among my kind. There's so many folks there, and I think it's one of those things that's really exciting. Even if you're kind of socially awkward, it's kind of an exciting prospect until you kind of step foot. I, I for me, I remember it's like as the 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 taxi or as the car is pulling up to the hotel. And you start to see like dozens of furries running around outside and running around the lobby. And 
it's at that moment that you're like, oh, like there, there really are a lot of people here. And I, I don't know any of these folks. And I think if, if you're not big on social interaction, or if you spend a lot of time by yourself, going to a convention where you're going to be surrounded by hundreds or even thousands of people is, is a lot to ask for a person. I remember Anuka going to my very first furry meet and it was quite literally like, it, it was like, First of all, I come from a background, a very, you know, highly religious background. So I felt like I was like being a sinner or something. Yeah, you're, you're like, entering the sin. Yeah, I felt like, oh, no, I'm going to go to this thing and I can't tell anybody about it. I have to be super secretive about it. And then I show up and there's these like all these people and they were like they had tells and we were going to go to this zoo and I, I ended up, what I ended up doing to help break through my social anxiety is I ended up bringing, I'm a balloon artist. I don't know if you knew that Nuka, but I make balloon animals. I did. And, and I ended up bringing balloon animals and just created it for everybody. And that's how. You find your comfort zone. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So I shared my talent and that's how I was able to easily break the ice and break down those barriers where I was having people approach me instead yeah. of me approaching them, which was it's horribly terrifying. Yeah, exactly. So, well, and I'll say from my own experience too, like people say, Oh, you're a social psychologist. You teach hundreds of students a day. Like, uh, even for myself, I still get it. Every time I go to a furry convention, I feel apprehension when I pull up to the hotel, I, I like clockwork. I, I get in that cab or the bus or whatever I'm taking. And as I pull up to the hotel and I see furries in the parking lot, I start getting a little bit nervous. It usually takes me a couple of hours. You know, I, I, my friends, people who know me well, will tell you that I usually spend the first few hours at a furry con in the hotel room, just kind of trying to, to psych myself up to, to go out and be among so many people. It's, uh, so it's not just like, oh, very highly socially anxious people with a problem. Like even, even people you wouldn't expect or people who are otherwise fairly comfortable being around groups. Uh, can feel this. Now that's at furry conventions. Um, a, a good sort of first introductory step to that might be going to a local meetup. Um, so maybe you have like, you know, you're a new furry and you find out, oh, in my city, there's a group of furries who go to a swimming pool or a bowling alley, or they do a dinner once a month or something. Um, that can be kind of a good way of introducing it. But even then that first step for many folks, I remember for myself, that was my first time meeting another furry face to face or sorry another furry who wasn't already a friend of mine face to face so like it's it is scary even though there's only maybe a dozen people or two dozen people there there's this feeling of like okay you know other people like me are they gonna find out that i'm an imposter or are they gonna like think that i don't don't belong i remember my, my first meetup and thinking they're gonna look at me and say what are you doing here you're not one of us get the hell out of here and that can be very anxiety provoking <laughs> that's your first exposure to other furries yeah no nuka like i, I i've been out of the you would think that i would stay 100 percent connected with the the local scene here but unfortunately sometimes you know with work and different things that are going on i i can't go to every single furry event that's out there and sometimes you end up losing track of you know some things in the local community and i 
uh, the other day, I had a friend that, that said, I really want to go to this board game night. I've never been there myself. And let me tell you, even now, even after being in the fandom for a long period of time, you would think that I would be able to run into a bunch of new furries, you know, new uh, younger furries and be able to just be like, hi, everybody. And you know, say hello. But what happened is when I went to the game night, I was basically almost hiding behind my friend for probably about five minutes. And then after I was able to get that, the fill of the room, then I was able to approach people and say, hey, we're going to play this game. Do you want to come? We're going to play Room Party. Do you remember Room Party? Yes. No, yes. None of them knew what <laughs> Room Party was because that that game is now kind of a little oh bit older dated, yeah, and outdated and people don't know what room party is anymore. So I was introducing these younger furs to, to room party and it, it, I had fun. It was, yeah. it was good. And you know, I'll probably go back again at some point in time. Uh, but it was like, I was a new furry all over again. Oh, and I, I run into that too. So I've moved a lot for schooling, right? So I went from Edmonton, Alberta to Waterloo, Ontario to uh, Ames, Iowa, back to Edmonton, Alberta, back to or out east to, to Quebec. And so every time I moved, I'm like, I want to get involved in the local scene. And every time it's that whole having to meet the local group for the first time and you never get used to it. I've done it four or five times now. And every time that first time, you really have to push yourself to get yourself out there and, and just put yourself out among other people. And if you have any kind of social anxiety, man, that is uh, that is really hard to do. And so I think it's it's you know if you're in one of these communities, it's good to be mindful that hey, keep in mind that even if you know even if you're 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 not a particularly scary group of people to someone new to the group to someone new for the first time, it's it's really scary. So be mindful of the fact that they may may need some someone to kind of invite them in and help them to feel welcome you know anuka anuka uh basically a shortcut that i would use sometimes is like i would wear my fursuit <laughs> and i would make sure that i'd wear my fursuit whenever i'd go to some of these brand new meets as long as it was allowed you know if we were going <laughs> yeah. somewhere that you couldn't have a fursuit then i wouldn't i wouldn't do that but it was kind of a shortcut for me because it's like everybody is like oh this is a cute fursuit i yeah. love this most furries like fursuits yeah exactly and then then they all like they interact with you it's kind of a nice icebreaker but you know what i ended up finding out I would go to a next meet and then maybe it didn't have, I didn't have my fursuit with me. And no one and knew who you are. Nobody knew who I was. Yeah. And even though that I knew who they were and I had interacted with them. And, um, you know, when I was uh, a long time ago, when I went to all the meets itself, it, it made me feel kind of a little bit lonely <laughs> a little yeah. bit because nobody knew who I was, but Again, that was a barrier for myself that I had to get get over to to basically be like, you know what? People know who um, the the first suit Roo is. Um, I would love to have them get to know me a little bit more. So instead of me focusing purely on making sure that I first suited at every single event that I possibly could, you know, I limited um, when I brought out Roo and and I and I know that people. I just wanted to make sure that people knew not only the fursuit Rue, but also knew the real me as well. The suitor, yeah. 
and that helped me to be able to really find out who was, um, you know, re really is going to be there for me, which helped me to be able to create a, a group of people. You carve but, out a but, space for yourself. Exactly. So then that way I had kind of a comfort zone to, to be able to be with people that I that I was able to grow and trust. Anyways, sorry. I don't know. Another thing I would mention as well. Um, so so if, if, if even that is a bit of a barrier. There's too many barriers to that. Another place you could consider would be uh, forums or VR chat or, you know, some some kind of telegram group, perhaps. Um, so if I think for a lot of socially awkward people or people who are kind of anxious, this puts sort of another sort of Put, keeps people at arm's length a little bit. It's easy to kind of lurk around in a forum or in a Telegram chat or a Discord group. Um, the, but even then, uh, it's something to keep in mind. There can still be barriers. You can't just say, well, go lurk around in the forums or the, the Discord group and you'll be fine. Um, it The first time you post to a local Telegram chat or Discord group, it it can be nerve-wracking. It can, it can still be scary uh, to put yourself out there. Again, I've had to do it when I've moved around, you know, trying to send an email to the local group or trying to, you know, the, the, the first thing you say in a Telegram group is always a little bit nerve-wracking because you only, you know, you get that first impression. You're like, what if I say something stupid and antagonize the whole group? Or you never know who's going to be the first person to respond in the Telegram chat. And if, you know, the first person to respond kind of ignores you, then you feel like, oh God, now everyone's going to ignore me. This has gone horribly. And so um, even in online spaces, there can be barriers and social anxiety preventing you from, from you know, or keeping you, uh, or letting you talk yourself out of doing it. Like, oh, don't say anything. You're just going to make an ass of yourself. So uh, be mindful for what it's worth that, <laughs> no, no pun intended. Yeah. Uh, Sorry. <laughs> but, 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 but for what it's worth, a lot of people feel this way. Like if you feel anxious about this, don't feel like you're the only one who feels this way. Uh, most of us, you know, even people who've been at this for years still feel that sense of anxiety sometimes when putting ourselves out there. So Nuka, you said the word imposter syndrome, or yes. sorry, you, you said in, uh, feeling as an imposter. Yeah. Could you explain what imposter syndrome is? Yeah. So it's the idea that um, you feel like you don't belong. You feel like uh, at any minute, someone's going to call me on my credentials and I'm going to slip up or, or fumble. You feel like you don't belong here. You constantly have to kind of prove your your worth there. So uh, academics are a really good example. In academia, you constantly feel like you're not smart enough to be there. And like any minute, someone's going to call you out and you're going to get kicked out. So professors feel this a lot, especially new professors. Yes, you got your PhD, you got into school for years, and yet you still feel like you're not smart enough to be where you are. And like any second, some other prof is going to be like, you don't know anything, get the hell out of here. And I think furries, especially newer furries, feel that even if you've been a fan of furry media for 10 years, you might feel like, oh, if I go to a furry meetup, they might say, well, you don't know this particular show, get out of here. You're not a real fan. And so there's that, that feeling like you need some way to prove to everyone you belong there, which is why I think a lot of fursuiters get a fursuit as a way of saying, hey, look, I, I spent $2,000. That's how big of a fan I am. You have to accept me now as an actual furry. I think a lot of younger furries feel that need to prove they belong here. It, yeah. Uh, well, to go back to, to, to what I what I said is I was feeling like when I was going to local meets, like I felt, um, you know, when I when I went to the local meets, I felt the imposter syndrome the other direction where it was kind of like, hey, uh, 
I, I don't know. Never mind. Just we'll we'll scratch that particular part. But I want to go back to just um my like my work. I feel like that sometimes when I'm when I'm working, I'm like because I I basically I I counsel people. Yeah. Um. That's kind of the term of what I what I do. But there's a lot of times that I'm like, is this really helping somebody? Is this really giving them any sort of advice? Are they gonna? Is it good? You know, am I actually doing any any good? Do I know what and I'm doing? Am I really it, the person that they need? Yeah, exactly, exactly. So there's there's all this time that I that I feel that too. And I just watched a video this morning of this animator that um, that worked on the brand new Laxa Lacatazy. Yeah, yep. I don't. Um, and basically, he basically felt the whole entire time. Oh my goodness, I'm surrounded by all these amazing and talented people. And the director came to him and said, you were the one that we gave the job. And there's all these other people that interviewed for it. We gave you the job. And so he felt a lot better by that, you know, not feeling as much of a imposter um, as well. But going back to, to furries themselves, like I, I feel like that, um, a lot of times in our life, we just really struggle with our um, identity and being able to figure out exactly where we fit in. And um, so therefore, when people are brand new in the fandom, they want to like test the waters out a little bit. And I, I know that that's really difficult to like dive headfirst in, in, into there. And I can, I can completely understand why that that would be, uh, scary. So I think that for anybody that's listening to this, I would agree with what you said, Nuka. It's completely natural. Uh, so to go to the, the second barrier I wanted to bring up, this one we won't talk too much about, but uh, the pandemic. So to no one's great surprise, during a global pandemic, um, a lot of conventions didn't run. A lot of local meets kind of shut themselves down uh, out of sort of necessity for a year, year and a half. Um and so that was a big barrier for a lot of folks. Uh, there's a lot of new folks in the fandom, I think, a lot of younger folks who their first exposure to the fandom was online, where many of us might have, you know, within the first few months gone out to a convention. There were some folks who were like furries for two years, very active online or in the community before they made it out to a local meetup or a convention. So it was a very real barrier. And even though the pandemic is, is you know, sort of over now, um, I think we still see a lot of lingering effects from it. And I think it, it's quick, it's easy to forget about that. For example, um, there are still some people I know who don't feel safe going to conventions just because like, well, there's, there's going to be 8,000 people there. Uh, how do I know that one of them might not be sick with something or, or have COVID? How do I know that this won't be the next big super spreader event and everyone will call them with COVID? Um, that, that scares some people. Uh, I know I, I, I can say for myself, um, I did wear a mask at Texas Furry Fiesta just a, a few weeks ago um, out of a bit of apprehension that, you know, I, I would rather not get sick. I mean, it, it stopped me from getting con crud, uh, but also just, you know, in general, I'm like, I don't know if someone's going to have something and I'd rather not uh, catch it. So I think that there's still some people, if you have any kind of uh, health concerns, especially after two years of being afraid of health concerns, uh, going out to an event with a few thousand people can can certainly create some apprehension. 
Nuka, how has the pandemic ended up affecting your students, especially because they had to go from um, online schooling and now they're going back into into in person, right? And you have some still online stuff. Yeah. How how are some of your students? We we've, we've actually spoken about it uh, as a faculty. Um, there are some serious re- uh, um, uh, resiliency issues in the next few years, I think, because for a lot of people, the pandemic hits during like some really critical years in development. So during your high school years and because I, I teach like first year university students for a lot of students, you know, it was grade 10, grade 11, grade 12. These are years when you're sort of really trying to solidify things like social status, your 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 ability to network with other people and, and stuff. And they spent a lot of that time at home for months or years at a time. And so I think they're feeling very shaken by that. They're still feeling like they can't quite get their feet out or get their feet under them. Uh, and yeah, I think that's, that's going to linger for a while. Right. Um, so I noticed it in the classroom and I'm not surprised to see, um, that there are furries who, who are in very much the same boat where they feel like, you know, I just spent the last two and a half years online. Maybe it's easier to just be online. Maybe it's easier to just have most of my interactions be through zoom calls, through VR chat, through telegram and discord channels. Um, it's safer. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's it's always. Uh, I, I can see them saying that. Yeah. Um, I know. I know for myself. You know, when it comes to comes to my work, one thing that I've noticed is a lot of a lot of kids have been really like high school age uh, kids have really been struggling to graduate, and um, a lo- like I, I work with a lot of different people, and it is, it's, it's opened my eyes on how much of a problem that this currently is. So yeah. I, I think that definitely when it comes to the, to the furry side of things, um, there's some people that I know that used to come to lots and lots of events and they've disappeared. And it's kind of like, I almost feel like that there has been a reset button that's been like pushed on anything that's anything that used to be uh, um, something that was happening quite frequently. Um, you see way brand new faces there. You, you see some people that were veterans that used to be there all the time. They're no longer there. And, and you know what? I'm, I'm not necessarily blaming anybody because I think no, that no, yeah. each person is, um, you know, looking at their risks and assessing and trying to kind of figure out exactly what's best for them. And, well, pu- and purely from a pragmatic perspective, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, 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 you're good. Right. See, purely from a pragmatic perspective, like we can't just pretend like, you know, like it was like a 1 million or 2 million people died during the pandemic in, in, in you know, in, in Canada and the U S and such. Um, there's a lot of pieces still to be picked up, right? So if you if you lost a, a loved one, or if you've got a, a family member who's still struggling with some of the long term uh, effects of COVID, right? It might not be as easy to say, okay, I'm going to go back to conventions as if nothing happened, right? Like maybe you're still helping to pay off medical bills. Maybe you've got someone who's now dependent on you uh, because of of someone who's been adversely affected long term uh, by the pandemic. Uh, so. For a lot of folks, it's not as easy as, oh, just go back to business as usual. So I guess I guess if there's a message behind this, it's that even though the pandemic is over, 
um, we're probably going to be seeing some of the long-term, it, it can still be a barrier and have created these secondary barriers that keep people out of the, uh, out of things like conventions. So speaking of conventions, um, you know, another thing that, that's, um, I know that has gone up in price is, is, is conventions themselves. And I think that that brings you to your third one, yeah, which money. is money. Yeah. It's, I mean, we're in a time right now of sort of rapid inflation. Things are, are, are definitely, the, the cost of living has gone up considerably. And, you know, when you consider cost of like things like fursuits has gone up, cost of hotel rooms has gone up, cost of gasoline has gone up, which means cost of travel has gone up. Cost of buying a home has gone yeah, up cost of, with yeah, exactly. high interest rates. Yes. So for a lot of folks, I think um, it's, re it's really easy to just, oh, you know, most furries go to conventions and you ought to make it out to a convention at some point. Um, but especially if you're, if you're an 18 year old furry right now, when you're trying to figure out how am I going to pay for school? How am I going to pay, you know, I would like to move out sometime or maybe get my first car. I'm only working a kind of part-time job between school and stuff. Um, where do you find the money to go uh, go away for a weekend, maybe travel a thousand miles to a furry convention and, and, and book a hotel room and pay for food and pay for reg costs, right? Mm -hmm. um, for a lot of folks, this this just isn't in the budget. The cons are, are just uh, 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 something that they can only dream about for, for years, perhaps. I know that, um, like, for example, BLFC, I, I've heard that, you know, they, they ended up switching it so they're no longer doing it on the weekend because it was so expensive as well for them to be able to do that. But, but also they were saying that it was hard for them to get that particular slot. But one of the, one of the points was is that they were hoping that that would also lower the costs for the hotels for for, yeah. for people to be able to actually be able to come out and and, and, and travel costs in might be event. a bit cheaper during the week rather than on the weekends. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. So that's something that I've seen a convention try to try to do to help combat um, the, the the money cost. It's it's expensive nowadays. You're right. Everything that you do, like, for example, I had a friend of mine that just barely bought uh, a home. Or actually, a, a like an apartment, and the apartment that is across um, from him that has the same exact pl floor plan, everything is exactly the same. He just bought his home two years ago, and he's like, "There is no way." I looked at the price of it. There is no way that I would be able to afford that now. And even if we, so even if we consider that, that barrier alone, so, okay. So as a new furry or a younger furry or a furry with some financial instability, I can't afford to go to a con. You might say, well, okay, we'll make it out to a, a local event, right? At the very least go to a bowling meetup, go to a dinner meetup. That still presupposes that you've got some expendable income. That still assumes that you got some money in your pocket, right? And I can remember a lot of the local meetups that I would go to took place at places that cost some money, right? Bowling mm -hmm. is, is a, one, you know, on the cheaper end of activities, but it's still, you know, if you, if you got $0 in the, the bank account, right, you can't go to a bowling alley and, and not bowl, right? You know, I have enough to allow you to do that or go to a restaurant and not eat anything like you're, it's, it's going to look and feel kind of weird there. Um, Are you saying that we need to have more park meets? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it's worth it's worth being mindful if you're an organizer of events, um, things like little house parties or park meetups or, you know, uh, try to have events that aren't 
just, I mean, it doesn't say don't do bowling meetups or dinner meetups, of course not, but also be mindful that for some of the, the younger furs or some of the furs who are kind of just barely making ends meet, um, they might appreciate having opportunities to meet up with a group that don't cost a lot of money. So, um, you know, you know, to, again, uh, to, to different folks, 50 bucks might be nothing to one fur. Uh, it might be completely insurmountable as a cost to another fur. And the last thing you want to do is, you know, make it so that some furries can't show up just because, you know, they, they, they had a slow time at work and had to take a pay cut or something. Well, a- another barrier that we didn't talk about with money is, I mean, we kind of talked about it a little bit, is like you said, so- sometimes people are like, hey, I'm going to go get a fursuit. Well, fursuits are a lot more expensive now, which rightfully so. I 100% agree yeah, yeah. with. We're not you know, complaining some- about that. No, we're not complaining about that at all. But it is true that the, the price of fursuits are, are much more expensive. And, and again, I'm not saying that fursuits are necessary for you to be able to um, to break through that barrier. It's just I know that for some people that's a safety net or it, it helps. Um, but not only that, art is what expresses like who we are. And if you're not an artist and you don't draw, well... You know, you have to commission somebody. That's also a cost that's that could potentially be a barrier to you as well. Um, you know, if if you wanted to be able to create something for yourself, there's some free templates that you could potentially find. So there is some ways around things that you can um, potentially do. And and I, I agree, you don't necessarily have to have a fursuit in order to be able to get into the furry fandom. Um, and even and even other things though, like uh, you know, things you might not consider. So you might say, well, okay, we'll just you know you don't have to go out to events and go to like VR chat, go to, to Telegram, go on Discord, right? Well, that presupposes that you've got you know uh, VR equipment, or that presupposes that you've got internet access, or a phone, or a device to uh, to interact. Or a with PC on. that can actually generate those worlds. Yeah. Right. I- at the same time, I do want to add to add to that, Nuka, is that VR chat is uh, definitely a way that you could get uh, you could get an avatar of yourself for fairly cheap. Well, to a fursuit. Yeah. It, yeah. If you're comparing it to a fursuit itself, that potentially could be around two to three thousand dollars, depending on what you get. So. So yeah, it's, it's, it's worth keeping in mind that anytime you're trying to do an activity, you know, or trying to plan something and you're looking for inclusivity or trying to make sure that people, you're not artificially putting up barriers to people coming, just be mindful of that, you know, a lot of things have costs. Uh, and if you can find ways to make it more affordable to folks, um, that, that helps. It, it might go a long way and I think it'd be appreciated by folks, especially again, younger folks in particular who are still you know, if, if you only work one day a week and you're living at your parents' house and you don't have a car, you know, it might be pretty hard for you to make it out to that, that, you know, once a week restaurant meetup. And especially if you start choosing like more expensive, fancy restaurants. So Nuka, I have one more point to towards this, this subject with money. This is more of a plea, please, 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 please. If you are using your student loans to buy a fursuit. <laughs> Yeah, don't do please that. don't do that. Like it is not worth it. It is not worth yourself going into debt to be able to be part of this fandom. Do not do that. I understand that you're you're like, oh, my social is more important. Let me tell you, it is. 
it is important, but it is not that important to get into debt for. If you are going to conventions and you don't have the means to go to a convention and you're maxing out your credit card so that you can go to a convention, look, I am fine. I'm not going to tell you how to spend your money, but let me tell you, be kind to your future self. Don't let your future self be boggled down with debt and paying off the credit card companies just so that you could go have fun over in Atlanta for a week. Like, do what you can to be nice to your future self when it comes to yourself financially. I know a lot of furries that are in a lot, a lot of debt because they are going to every single convention that they can possibly go to because they want to feel connected. They want to be able to be seen. And you know what? They are like, I've heard them come to me and say, Rue, I don't know what to do. I have so many particular bills that I have to pay. And on top of it, I have this credit card bill that's, you know, 150 plus each, each month. You don't need to do that to yourself. If you just plan ahead and don't, don't get sucked into this, this trap of this need to spend money, like, please, please make sure that you're just kind to your future self and spend within, you know, it's, it's okay means, for yeah. you to go get art commissions. Just don't get every art commission that's out there. Don't feel like that you have to go to every convention that's out there. Maybe choose one convention or maybe none at all. Just make sure that you're living within your means and you're not maxing out your credit cards just so that you can, you can break through um, these barriers. And on that note, I think we will throw it to break. And when we come back for break, we'll talk about some of the other barriers that came up during the survey. Hey there, folks. Do you know what the FCC is? Neither do we. But apparently, they require us to let people know every so often just what the heck they're listening to. We call these little segments where we tell people that they're listening to it for what it's worth iDents. And we need your help to make them more interesting. God knows you don't need to be listening to any more of our voices. So if you've got a good radio voice or even just an interesting voice or just a voice or if you want to add your own bit of quirkiness to the show, uh, just send us a recording of you telling folks uh, who you are and that they're listening to for what it's worth. You can email those idents to us directly uh, or send them to us through SpeakPipe at speakpipe.com slash FWIW. And you might just hear yourself in the next episode. Technology, it's wacky, right? Thank you to our Patreons. You make this happen. Rictus. Lifus. 10X. Ashton Sergal, Nuka, Bubble Whip, 
Chaphogriff, Aussie, Black Baldric, Ligris, Tyre, Ichigo Okami, Guardian Lion, Rivka. And we're back. All right. Uh, so are we back? Are we really, really back, Nuka? I, I mean, I'm well, we... I'm just trying to continue, you know, this theme of talking over each other. I think it's been, you know, it's it's good. It's good for the listeners. It's working. We have a, yeah. It, it gives them something to look forward it's to. Just steamroll each other, one hundred percent. Yeah, it helps break the imposter effects to feel like even these clowns get a podcast and don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> so, Nuka. Uh, we're jumping back into the subject, and I think the next one is time, right? Yeah. So instead of going hand in hand with money is the idea that uh, a significant barrier for a lot of folks that they reported was just not having the time uh, to dedicate to the furry interest, right? So uh, whether it's not having the time to go to a convention or not being able to fit it into your schedule to make it up to, to some kind of local meetup, or even things like uh, for VR chats or for the forums, just not being able to uh, keep up or follow on them. So I, I kind of wanted to talk about that last one because I think for, you know, for many of the reasons we've already kind of mentioned, you know, uh, if, if there's a convention this weekend, like, well, I got to work this weekend. Sorry, that one's pretty obvious. But I think we often don't realize that we, we spend time and have to invest time into things like online interactions. Um, I'm not terribly active on Telegram or Discord groups. And part of the reason for that is because I can never seem to keep up with the conversation, right? I'm at work all day, uh, you know, so eight, 10, 12 hours a day, and I don't really have access to Telegram or Discord while I'm at work. So I come home and I can see this been 400 new messages in a group on Telegram. And I'm like, fuck, I can't, I can't be ours to read all that. I don't know where the conversation is. I don't know what's happened today. I'll get to it tomorrow. And then tomorrow I see it's now 800 messages. Like, well, it's even more that I can't keep up with. And so at some point I just kind of become not uninterested, but I just feel like there's an investment to be had in getting caught up with the Telegram group, the Discord chat. And maybe that's on me. Maybe it's because like we're, I have to keep up. Maybe it's because we're old, Nuka. <laughs> maybe that's what it is. Because like I, I am just feeling like I struggle. I struggle a lot. Like even like me and you were, well, I, at least I know for myself, my, I was raised like before internet basically. So I know what it was to be a ditch kid. I was out in the ditch, you know, playing in the ditch and, you know, to be able to hang out with your friends, it wasn't like send a, send a message. It was my next door neighbor would come knock on my door and say, Hey, do you want to come out and play? You know, and then I'd run out and play. Um, but nowadays, uh, people have this instant access directly to you. And they can send a message to you at any point in time. And um, they, I could send you a message at work, Nuka, and be like, hey, Nuka, like, hey, what's what's going on? And it's like, well, you'll get back to me eventually because you have to divvy up your time in in you know towards work and then towards other things as well and sometimes i get exhausted when it comes to yeah. what i have like i i there's not enough of me to go around and i feel bad because i i want to stay connected to people i want to reply to every message that is sent. but it feels like this investment of time you don't have it, yeah 
Yeah, it, it. I feel burnt out because I have cut myself so so thin that sometimes I don't even have time for just to like sit in a room and just listen to music or sit in a room and read a book. Like I just don't have that time because I'm always constantly, you know, either like talking to somebody replying or, and I, and, and again, I don't want to come across as like, Oh, this poppy fur over here. That's getting all these messages. It's not that it's also, you know, I do a lot of, a lot of other things than just for what it's worth. And, um, my, I, you know, when it comes to work and everything that's involved, it's just, I, I think time is very much a, a barrier to a lot of people in, in staying involved in, in the fandom. Well, I think there's a generational difference too in, in how we're expected to respond. So, I, and, I, and I admit, I'm the old fogey here in the room. <laughs> uh, back, you know, back in the forums, I think there was an expectation. Like if you jumped into the middle of a conversation in a forum, and you hadn't read the entire sort of thread and stuff, people would be like, what are you doing? Like, go back, read the thread, like don't jump into the middle of a conversation, you don't know what's going on, right? And so to be invested on a forum, you had to put in the time to, to, to read what was said and stuff before you jump in. Uh, nowadays, I think there's a lot less stigma against that. I think it's perfectly normal in like a Telegram chat or a Discord chat, people kind of just sort of pop in and out as, as their day kind of allows. And I think, younger people are more comfortable with uh i'm just wandering into the conversation what's going on here right rather than you know because you, you you can't because it's 24 hours it's constantly happening you know while you're at work it's not, so i feel like for younger folks it's probably a little bit easier to jump in and out of these ongoing 24-hour discord telegram channels but i think for older folks in particular we feel like man if i haven't kept up with what's been going on in the chat all day, I, I, I can't interrupt or I can't jump in without having read everything. And that's a lot of work. So, well, and not only that, Nuka, you also have, you have also these, a lot of different social media sites as well. Like, I mm -hmm. mean, we still have forums, we have telegram, we have uh, Discord, stupid, pages, stupid Twitter. Twitter. <laughs> yeah. I, we have only fans, you know, all, all the things Obvious. that are available for you. YouTube. Uh, yeah. <laughs> But there's so many things to be able to check. And I know for you, I mean, I I've had somebody that's looked at, you know, how many unread messages that I have, like on my phone. I have a lot of unread messages, enough to where any sort of OCD person that looked at my phone would probably cry because of how much that I have, like, numbers under underneath my email i have probably over a thousand and i know a lot of people are like well why don't you delete it it's something that i just don't do and i something i needed to get better at but i again it's it's just another example just for myself how i i just don't have enough time to just get to everything anyways sorry and and in addition to that in addition to how much time even stuff like online interaction can take um there's also maybe you have time but it's at inconvenient times so a really good example of this um there was a summer where i worked uh shift work i worked uh, uh night shifts like overnight shifts and so i was very keen it took one summer like like two or two months or three months of that for me to be like i i'm never doing this again because what would happen would be uh, i'd be working from uh like 7 p.m at nights to 7 a.m in the morning and so i'd be going to bed just as the rest of the world is waking up 
And so, you know, if you schedule a free event for, you know, five, six or seven o'clock at night, right? Like, well, I can't do that. I got to go to work. And so even though I do have free time, right? Uh, it's, you know, I, I would have, you know, Wednesdays and Thursdays off, right? Well, a lot of my friends who were in school at the time, that's when they were at school, right? They had weekends off. Like, I got to work weekends. And so um, sometimes it's not even that you don't have free time, but just your free time doesn't overlap with when events are happening. Right. Uh, another really good example of this for me right now, uh, if things keep happening the way they do, I will never make it to MFF. Despite my desire to go to MFF, I will never be able to go. And the reason being is that MFF happens right around final exam season for me. So as long as I am a professor who has final exams in my classes, I will never in the foreseeable future get to go to MFF just because of the timing there, right? And again, it's not the, I don't think MFF needs to change their timing or Everybody anything. send but, a letter to MFF now. <laughs> Nuka needs to go to MFF. Just change it. Just change it by a month. <laughs> but, it, but it is a really good example of all the little idiosyncrasies in our schedule, all the tiny little things that we never really think about that can make it so that one person, despite wanting to make it out to an event or a convention, just... The schedule might not allow it. Absolutely. And I mean, be mindful of that. going back to, to BLFC, like BLFC is now this next year, they're going to have it on a weekend. I mean, not a weekend, a weekday. A week. A week. And yeah. for a lot of us, well, those are the days that we don't have off. I mean, for myself, it's not much of a change because I'm going to take the same amount of time that I usually take off for a large convention. I usually take five days off. It's just something that I do because I need to have a day to be able to recover. So I take one additional day to, to be able to do that. But, um, you know, I, I know that not everybody can do that. Not everybody has the PTO necessary for them to be able to to take that long of time off. So or, you know, maybe they have to choose instead of going to two conventions, they can only go to one and they have to uh, maybe potentially uh, eliminate one. So time is is definitely a barrier. I, I know for myself recently, I've had a lot of um, family conflicts that have kind of cut a little bit into my social life. At the same time, it's been helpful for me to be able to re-engage with my family, but I surely wish that there was other ways that I could be re-engaging with my family within this family emergency that we've been, we've been trying to deal with. And, you know, uh, but needless to say, you, you just have all these different things. You could also be working. I, I know for myself this last weekend uh, or this last Wednesday, I had to work all, I had to work like a, like an 18, not 18, sorry. It was a 12, 11 hour shift, which is not terrible by no means, but it's not within my norm. I mean, normally I only work eight hours, a eight hours a day. So, um, but anyways, yeah, all of those things can eat into being able to to go to a local meet or be able to participate in the the fandom itself because you have all of these other things that um, take priority and you know what sometimes those things do need to be prior prioritized I know a lot of people that they put so much time into the fandom that they don't care they don't take care of their their basic needs I I, I feel like that the first time that somebody comes into uh, the fandom, it's like eating a great big, huge dose of sugar and you get this like super amazing high and you're like, oh my goodness, I found my people and you want to be involved in everything. You immediately go buy your, 
you know, $3,000 fursuit. You go to every single convention that you could possibly go to. And then all of a sudden, it's just like this burnout happens. <laughs> this uh, this crash ends up occurring. I'm not saying that that's what happens to every furry, but, you know. But it can. It, it can. It can happen. And, and, a time, and time is definitely a, a huge factor. So make sure that you're balancing your time um, wisely in, in the community itself. Uh, so I guess to switch to, to point number five, uh, drama and conflicts. This is uh, uh, kind of a hard one to speak to broadly, but it's more about the little idiosyncrasies. This one doesn't apply so much to conventions, although it can. Um, but in local groups, you sometimes forget that the furry fandom is a very small interconnected community. And so it's not uncommon to have little little bouts of drama here and there or conflict here and there in our local communities which can make it so that people don't feel like they can make it out to events anymore. You almost certainly, if you've been in a local group, you've, you've encountered something like this where, well, Oh, so-and-so isn't coming to the event because so-and-so else is going to be here. Or no one, you know, so, someone isn't coming to this event because it's being run at this person's place or, Oh, these two people just broke up. So now it's going to be really uncomfortable at the dinner. Like, are they both coming? Uh, what do we do about that? And so there's nothing like, specific or I can't necessarily prescribe anything for this except to say that you know be aware that you know when we talk about drama as lol drama it's just a thing in the fandom it does have practical implications including the fact that it can sometimes be a thing that stops people from making it out to a local convention or making it out to a local uh sort of meetup I I agree with you there's there's a great big I mean the I've seen some people recently get canceled because they drew something that somebody wasn't 100% happy with. And so, you know, it, but it could pretend, I mean, to use another example, there's BLFC and uh, pizza situation that end, uh, ended up happening. You know, just use some specific examples. Those particular things can potentially cause um, conflict and drama. Like, you know, some people will be like, oh, BLFC is a dirty convention. It, that one convention that we had recently that had the had the issue with the, the streaker or whatever, you know, some people, that could actually affect that con. You know, people could potentially not want to go to that con because they think, oh, that's what happens there. They blame it on the, the convention. Or, you know, they could... Um, I, I don't know. There's there's a whole bunch of different factors itself. I've experienced some myself. You know, I've had a, a situation where I dated an admin um, and, you know, I I dated an admin. We were an event organizer and you know what? We broke up and it affected the local community because, you know, we were the two leaders. They both turned to both of us. It it affected our our community and I'm sad that it did you know I will admit that it in some way has affected this lovely podcast within itself um within its its history and so I there, there's definitely some things that can happen with with drama um and, and conflict that can cause people to to not want to jump into to certain events if you end up hearing things and and i think that yes i think you need to take everything that you can to to learn you know what is is safe for you 
But I think that there's a lot of people that they just sometimes they just like the drama and they like to just like uh, build up the drama and don't let other people, a small group of people get you involved with the, the larger group of people that, you know, just don't say anything online or just don't talk about some of this drama that's online because we don't care. I mean, I'm not going to say that we don't care about everything, but there's definitely things that we're all passionate about. But overall, like, just don't let um, a couple of people affect you from participating in something that you really want to do. And, and even if drama's not necessarily talking about like, oh, here's this big issue that I feel sort of morally opposed to. So I'm not going to head out to this group because of my stance on it. It can be really tiny, practical, pragmatic things too. Like uh, I know that one thing that commonly comes up, and this ties back to some of our other previous themes, uh, things like cost sharing at a, at a convention. So you and three other people were going to share a room at a convention, but then drama happened like, oh, well, uh, you know, they, they wanted to have a party and I'm kind of a person who likes to go to bed early or they, you know, had a bunch of people over and I didn't feel comfortable with that. Or, you know, uh, I, I don't feel like they paid their fair share at the, the room or whatever. And so the next time you want to go to the con the next year, right, the drama of that might make it so I don't have someone to share a room with this year. So I don't know if I can afford to go or eh, I don't know if I want to be there because what if uh, what if they're at the con? Like, I don't want to bump into them and have this really awkward moment where so these kinds of like really practical, it doesn't have to be a big blow up to still have these really awkward moments or these really, you know, people that we'd rather not see that can make it uncomfortable to, to go to events, to go to, uh, you know. and again, online, this can happen too, you know, whether it's, uh, uh, especially, especially online, I might say, because, um, you know, misunderstandings happen a lot easier online than in person. So, whether it's in VR chat, whether it's in a, a Telegram group, I've definitely seen people who are like, ah, I don't go to that group anymore just because, you know, I, I had a fight with a person. Now when they're online, I can't stand to be around that room. So, so Nuka, we've known each other for years now at this point. Like, I have invited you all the time to my local meets. All the time. I've, I've invited you to my local convention. You go to all these different places, but you don't come to me. Why? I, Why? I'd ask you to. I'd ask you to consider what all those things have in common. What? And then figure out what I'm trying to say. Uh, well, oh, the meetups. It's that because you're at, I'm there. The is that what that it is? Yeah, I, uh, I didn't want to say it, but uh, uh, let's uh, let's look at number six, which is all about distance. Maybe we can put some <laughs> distance between the. Well, that's what I was um, what I was getting to. You're in Canada, uh, so it's not okay, like fair. me and you can hang out every single weekend and go out to the bar. I mean, as much as I'd love to, like I've had a chance to hang out with you probably like once, two or three times. I two, think. Yeah, uh, well, it was BLFC, and I feel like it has to been one other one. I think it's only been BLFC that we've ever hung out. Well, I think, no, I've definitely been in the room with you at least one other time. Re Maybe fairly recently, I thought. It's all uh, right. Were you, you, were you at FC uh, this year? No. No. I mean, you might have uh, been with Tugs, maybe. No. Well, I was at Tugs, with, with Tugs at Vancouver a few years ago. Mm. But anyway, we're, we're sidetracked. Yeah. Um, but yeah, distance matters, right? So this kind of sort of goes hand in hand with time and money, right? But uh, if you live in a very rural area 
or if you live on the outskirts of town. I know that when I lived in Edmonton, I lived on the first, Edmonton's like one giant ass suburb. It's kind of like Houston. Um, and yeah, so it would, you know, uh, there'd be something happening in downtown Edmonton or in the north side of Edmonton. And I'm on the south side of Edmonton. I don't have a car. I'm like, to get out to that event, that's, that's an you know, hour and a half of buses to get out there just for a local meetup, right? Uh, or maybe you live in a very rural area, right? So getting into town might be a challenge. Or maybe you just live in a place where getting to the nearest furry convention might be a, a four, six-hour drive, right? Nuka, I don't um, want to out you, but I, I'm looking at the show notes here. And it says right here, Nuka doesn't drive. Talk to me about that. I didn't so know I don't, that I don't about you. I don't, I don't even have a driver's license. I got a house before I got a driver's what? license. <laughs> um, no, I never learned to drive. I was terrified. I, I got behind the wheel once and I just could not get a feel for it. It was really awful for me. Um, so I never I never learned to drive. And so for me, that that is an impediment. If I don't have a ride somewhere, if I can't take the bus somewhere or take a cab somewhere for an affordable amount, it's really tough for me to to get to the event if you don't so, have a ride there that's that's probably a huge thing for you yeah so uh, and, and i can I, I can plan things so for example uh right now where i live i live in a a smaller city called sherbrooke uh it's only a, about a hundred thousand not even a hundred thousand people but it's, it's a smaller city uh but there's montreal which is the much 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 bigger city but it's about two hours away so someone spontaneously plans like oh let's Let's have a get together tonight at my place in Montreal. Let's go do something, you know, it's Friday and they say, let's do something tomorrow. I'm like, well, for me to be able to do that, I now need to figure out busing, accommodations. Like this isn't something that I can spontaneously choose to take a two hour trip to the nearest big city to go hang out for a, uh, a meetup there. Right. So distance counts for something. Yeah. It's one of those often overlooked barriers that we don't think about. Well, and if you don't have the transportation, like just as an example, like my significant other's mom just recently had a stroke and that's been, that's been huge for, for us to be able to handle recently. You know, she used to be able to drive and now she struggles to be able to get around. Now she's having to, to go, you know, get things like DoorDash or the groceries delivered to her. And it's very difficult for her to be able to get, um, get around itself. And so uh, just recently she was able to modify her vehicle to be able to drive again um, so that she can able, you know, use her other hand that wasn't affected by the stroke. And so that um, helped her so much just to be able to gain that independence again. Um, but to reel it back to, to what we're talking about as a barrier, I, I agree that you know, not having access to transportation can can affect. In my line of work, uh, I'm working with people helping them find employment. If all of a sudden, they're I'm suggesting to them that they they find a job that's two three cities down down the way, and they don't have a car, and there's no tracks or anything that goes out to there. Well, that's kind of uh uh, it, it, Detriment. Th that's kind of a, a a no brainer that they can't do that. Just like how in participating in the fandom, you know, not having that transportation is important. And I think a lot of the younger first that that's a barrier for them to be able to go to their first meet because they just don't have a way to get there and they don't know and anybody even, even to do, be able to ask, to be able to get there than, themselves. 
I know. And even if they can get there, one of the things that's, that's often overlooked as well. Sorry. No, 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 you're fine. Mind, um, not being able to get back. So oftentimes I can get to a place on the bus, right? But then the event runs till midnight or one in the morning. I'm like, oh, well, the buses have all stopped by that mm. point. So like I can get there and then my choice is to leave early or well, all the fun know, is happening, right? Cab. Yeah, I, I can be the person who leaves at 11 o'clock just as the party's starting to get good, right? Um, so something just to keep in mind, right? And again, I'm not saying people have to change the time of their parties to accommodate or whatever, but be mindful this is a thing that some people some people will have to leave early because that's when the buses go or some people will have to ask around for a ride because they just don't have the means of getting back or getting there in the first well, place. Well, I do recommend as a piece of advice, I know that this is going to be a barrier and I'm not trying to put barriers up, but if there's any way possibly just speaking out there, I'm not pointing towards you, Nuka, but if you can, if you plan on, you know, if you have a way to get there, try to make sure that you have a plan on how to get back because yes. <laughs> I've had a situation where like certain furries that I've worked with or, or, you know, been around um, that they have a planned that what they're going to do is they're going to just get there, but they are going to ask around to find a way back and they don't plan it out and they don't think about it. And then I'm because I'm the event organizer and I'm the last one there. And -and so-and-so is still there looking for a ride. Well, I don't want to leave so-and-so just stranded here. You know, I'm going to do what I can to be able to assist them and help them. And, but at the same time, that's not my responsibility as an event organizer. It it's other people's responsibility to make sure that they have a way back home if possible. But at the same time, I get it. Not all situations can, can perfectly line up. There could be a situation where you have, organize something or had a particular plan but things and then somebody doesn't show up so there's always situations don't feel afraid to not ask people because of the barrier that i suggested but the main thing is is if you don't even attempt it makes you look like an asshole (laughs) so uh for me my pet peeve was i used to run events a lot in my house we used to have parties and stuff and my my biggest pet peeve would be people who show up and they would uh, they would drink too much or they would, you know, not plan anything. And they would say, oh, I'm going to crash here tonight. I'm like, well, OK, we weren't we weren't planning on uh, having anyone stay over. Right. The idea was we were going to stay for a bit and then you know, we were going to kick everyone out at like midnight or whatever. And people go, oh, well, I'm going to crash on your couch. I'm like, well, you kind of just assumed that would be a thing you could do. Yeah, like, I really wish you wouldn't. And inevitably, with like clockwork, there would always be at least one person who would do that. And like, it's like, uh, makes you want not want to organize events. Uh, when people haven't taken that into account. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree with you. In fact, it's limited my, I used to do something every Wednesday night. I'd have a, a game night at my house all the time. And there was just situations. And I guess that goes back to number five, the drama, but there were just times that, that people would show up. They just weren't, they didn't bathe themselves beforehand. They kind of had a funky smell about them. And then it just kind of lingered in the house. There were even some times that I had to approach somebody and say, Hey dude, like just having, because I'm this type of person, I'm this direct with somebody because I care. I I just go to the person. I just say, Hey dude, like here is a towel. 
Here are some clothes. Go, go take a shower. Please go use my shower. I, I would love for you to be able to stay and be here at the event. And then I'd have a conversation with them after and just say, hey, dude, could you just make sure that, you know, and, and I get it. Some people have some issues with their body that they can't control that. And I get that. I totally understand that. There's also some things out there to be able to help mitigate those things like deodorant <laughs> and, and stuff like that. Anyways, so the the last item I wanted to mention, this was sort of again, this wasn't the last item on the entire list, but these were some of the big ones. But the last one I wanted to mention, kind of briefly here, um, is one barrier for folks is especially if you're kind of in the closet. This is related to an episode we did a few weeks ago uh, on like the, the the when to come out or when to sort of turn it down a little bit. Uh, but the reality is that for some furries, they're not fully out. Either they're not out to their parents or they're just, they'd rather their coworkers or people around town not know about this. And so for those folks, I've heard people say, you know, I'd like to go to a, a, a furry event in my town here, but I'm worried that like, you know, what if uh, one of my coworkers is at that restaurant or what if one of my, my work buddies is in the mall or in the park where we're doing this event, right? What do we, what happens then? Or what if, you know, uh, for this convention, right? What if my parents find out that I spent the weekend at a furry convention rather than somewhere else? And so that fear of being caught or outed um, might be enough to make people say, you know what, it's, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. Well, I guess my my feelings are is, I mean, I, I'm at the point, Nuka, that I've just, I've, I, I think that it's, I think it's something that comes with age <laughs> that I've kind of, shattered this barrier i'm not saying that i'm perfect at it because let me tell you i'm always you know looking around my shoulder i'm like oh man what if a coworker finds out that i'm a furry you know i get it I, i'm pretty open though about certain things but there's certain people that i don't necessarily want 100 knowing everything and so i'm a little bit more broader so i kind of gauge with people like how much that i'm willing to share with them and when i'm actually comfortable that I'll, I'll share a little bit more, but overall, I'm just, I think I'm just tired. I'm tired of having this, like always worried about what other people think that I'm just, I'm done with. Um, I, I'm just kind of like, you know what? This is who I am. And here you go. And if you accept me, you accept me. If you don't, you don't. And let's, I, I feel like it's like speed dating where it's like, you know, if, if they like me, Hey, they, they like me. And if they don't like me, they don't like me. And I'm okay with that. I guess I'm just at that particular point, which I, I know is not very nice. And I'm just trying to, I'm trying to be a little bit, I, I, I'm practice. I, I try my very, very best to, you know, ease people in and, and communicate with them. But there's sometimes I'm just like, you know, I'm just going to let my freak flag fly. And if they accept me, great, you know, but. Well, then they're, they're I think it's nice if you can do that. There are certainly times where people aren't able to do so, or even if they can, like, I'll, I'll use myself as an example here. Um, so I'm openly furry mm -hmm. at my workplace. So my students know I'm a furry, my coworkers know I'm a furry. That's that's fine. I make no secret of that. I think that's uh, awesome. Even, yeah. Uh, even so, even with that being said, uh, I, I, I do have about 300 students per semester. And because I'm in a, a slightly smaller-ish city, uh, I'm mindful of the fact that when I go out, my I will see my students. If I go to a restaurant, there's a, a not trivial chance that one of my students will, will be in that restaurant. If I go to a store or a mall, I'll occasionally bump into students there. 
And so I'm mindful of that. And so I get concerned sometimes that even if I'm out at a furry event, I don't mind that my students see me at a furry event, but you know, furries are furries at furry events, right? So what I don't want is for like a student to walk by just as like someone's making a really funny joke about knots or bad dragon, or they're, <laughs> they're showing off a not safe for work piece of their persona just as one of my students walks by, right? Like, so this is the kind of thing that makes me, you know, so it's, even if you are fairly comfortable and not really worried too much about people finding out, there are still circumstances where you might be like, you know, I, I don't need my family to see my fursuit. I don't need to, you know, even things like um, the news will often come to furry conventions, you know, and like, oh, what if, what if uh, the news is doing a piece on furries and I'm walking around the background that one of my coworkers discovers that I'm at a furry convention because of that. Like it's, it's, I can understand how for some people, the fear of being outed uh, might be enough to prevent them. I don't have a solution for them necessarily, but just something to be mindful of that some people can't make it out to these kinds of events because they have these kinds of concerns. All right, Nuka, I've had a direct example of being outed 100%. Okay. So um, when I went to my first, I, I told you a little bit about when I went to my first meet, but I didn't share when I went to my first um, convention in this episode. So um, I went to a, a convention. It was called Denver at the time. Um, that was my very first furry convention that I ever went to. And, uh, when I went out there, I, um, got my very first tell. And let me tell you, when you get your first tell, you're like, oh my gosh, I have to wear this thing everywhere. everywhere. And, yeah. um, you know, I, w I wore it at the, um, fursuit, uh, parade. Um, and what happened is to my family, I told them that I was going to a comic book convention, a comic convention. I was like, you know, that that would be something vague enough to be able to tell them that I'm going believable, to it. Yeah, it's yeah. believable. It's a convention. You know, it's it's close enough to the truth. <laughs> mm -hmm. It's 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 truth adjacent. But they I guess it didn't um, suffice their curiosity of what I was doing. And they ended up finding a video of a fursuit parade and uh, at the con and they saw me standing there Shit. with a tail. I got Ooh. so, I, I got so burnt <laughs> and in being outed. Like they thought that I had joined some sort of cult Nuka 100%. Oh, no. They were messaged. They were worried about my soul. They were worried so much for me. And, um, like, I love my family, but they were, like, so extreme that I had joined some sort of a cult and it was so, yeah. Anywho. So, yes, I have, um, I've had this happen to, to me 100%. And it can happen to anybody. It can happen, uh, yeah. I've, so, it's, it's not hypothetical. It can, it can and does happen to people. I've had a situation with a, uh, my past job. I was helping people with disabilities, with disabilities find employment. And, um, one of my, you know, I, I went to an event and one of my, um, one of my clients that I was working with was there or actually it happened the other way. I, I got to know this particular furry and then all of a sudden they were on my caseload as my, as my client that I was trying to help them find a job. And that was kind of a little bit weird, <laughs> but 
Um, but yeah, no, it's something that can definitely happen. I think it also like, it kind of reminds me of, um, like being gay a little bit. And, um, like for example, me and my partner, we have a, uh, sometimes we, we don't necessarily hold hands out in public, you know? Yeah. Um, sometimes we don't hold a, we don't have a pride flag outside of our home. You know, and it's not necessarily because we're not proud or that we aren't accepting. It's just at the same exact time, I guess it's it's one of those things that we just, you know, we don't want other people. You hear a lot of things on the news, things that end up happening. And I, I never want to be in a situation where, you know, we're we're in trouble because of something like that. Yeah. It's pragmatic incident sometimes, yeah. Yeah, so I can definitely see how this is a is a barrier, um, and honestly, I think that it's something to to be aware of. But at the same time, when it comes to the fandom itself, you know, you, if you're into it, you're into it, and you know, eventually people are going to find out about it. It, it. But at the same time, you can limit the amount of knowledge that you give to people. But if there's people that really want to find out, just like my family, they're, they're going to find out. So I don't know how to even give any help to this particular barrier. Yeah, I'm not sure. That, uh, for these, we don't necessarily have to come up with help as more as we're just kind of just being a mindful of these barriers for folks, right? We don't have all the solutions, but at the very least, if you're an event organizer, be mindful that this this could be a thing that keeps some folks from making it up. You know what? That's a perfect thing for our listeners. If you've listened and you have some advice to um, to any of these, you know, I feel feel free to shoot us an email and let us know like your opinions on, or maybe we have a barrier that that you think that we haven't that we covered. Missed. All right. Uh, yeah. Let's uh, let's cut to break right here. Okay. All right. So that was a lovely episode about barriers. I enjoyed it. I'm sure you enjoyed it. But before we fully close this particular topic, we're going to go into final thoughts. So Nuka, please tell us your final thought about barriers in the fandom. Yeah, I think this data was really eye-opening to me. It was one of those to- it's it's one of the many topics that we've studied that we didn't come up with on our own. It was just furries asking us to study this. And it's, I'm glad they did. Um, uh, again, I, I, I'm kind of low on prescription. There's not a lot I can necessarily offer 
And I don't think that pointing at these barriers, that the point should be, well, now let me explain to you how to break down all these barriers necessarily. It's rather, uh, I see the role as let's get the conversation started here, and it's at very least um, extend some empathy and 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 some consideration to other people, right? So realize that um, participation in the furry fandom looks different for different people who are in different life circumstances. So we got to keep in mind that for some furries, they are still very health conscious and very concerned about the impact that COVID may have. For other furries, they may not have the financial uh, ability to make it out to events. For some, it's social anxiety. Um, the reality is that we will, you know, furries will make it out to the events they can and participate however they can within their ability to do so. And it's not a bad idea to give them a lot of opportunities to do so that cater to these different ways of life. So, you know, realizing that not every furry convention has to take place and look the exact same as others, realizing that um, there's value to be had in a variety of different uh, meetups, not just the one dinner meetup that we do once a month. And if you can't make it tough luck and realizing that there's a whole chunk of the fandom who doesn't make it out to cons regularly uh, or meetups, but they are very active and involved online. And if that's how they participate, then that's how they do it. Nuka, did you find yourself in getting into the fandom? Was there anybody that was there for you to help you get into the fandom? Yes. Or did you get into the fandom all by yourself? Nope. I absolutely had someone to get me into the fandom. I would not be so, a furry if it were not for this person. So that is my final thought is that there's all these barriers that are out there that keep people from being able to get into the fandom. There's a lot of, and each person, like you were saying, are going to have these particular different barriers. Somebody helped you to get into the fandom. So now it's your turn to help somebody else get into the fandom and help them overcome those barriers. I like that. I think that's great. Okay. I guess just to, to finish up here, we uh, we have nothing to read on this episode, although I hope like no emails from anyone, but I'm hoping uh, there's a lot to talk about on the subject. So we're always looking for, for responses, not just to whatever the week's topic is, but also to previous topics. If you find yourself listening to one of our previous episodes and you want to sort of comment or uh, give some input on it, uh, we'd like this to be an ongoing dialogue, not just a email or you missed it kind of thing definitely definitely we would love to hear even if you listen to this episode six uh, months from now uh, we still love talking about our previous episodes so please feel free to to send us a message and let us know uh, what you were thinking during this during this episode or if you have some helpful advice that you'd like to share hey there folks nuka here hitting with a little bit of housekeeping for for what it's worth uh, first of all, remember that For What It's Worth would not be possible without the support, feedback, and interaction of listeners like you in our wonderful fan community. You can check out all of our past episodes, plus learn more about the show, its host, and what's coming up next on the show on our website, forwhatitsworth.com. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter at For What It's Worth, no spaces. Uh, to get updates on upcoming episodes, to hear latest news about the show, or to get some opportunities to contribute to upcoming episodes. You can also join our Telegram channel, where we regularly chat about uh, the upcoming show episodes and random topics, and just an opportunity to chat with our, friend, uh, chat with our fans. 
Uh, if you want to be on the Telegram channel, just contact Rue at WineRedFox on Telegram, all one word, uh, and you'll get added to the Telegram channel. Note that you have to be 18 years of age or older to join the Telegram group. If you want to send us an email uh, or contribute to the mailbag or just get in touch with us in any way, the easiest way to do that is with our email, uh, cast at forwhatitsworth.com. Uh, or you can email any of the specific cast members by just putting their name. So for me, it would be Nuka at forwhatitsworth.com or for Rue, it would be Rue at forwhatitsworth.com. Uh, if you want to send us an audio file to be played instead of an email, or if you want to uh, contribute to the idents that play throughout the show, uh, you can upload a recording to us directly through SpeakPipe. That's speakpipe.com slash FWIW. So you can put a little recording on there and we can use your voice rather than trying to uh, read it in our own tired voices. Uh, finally, the best way you can help out the show directly is by sharing it with your friends. Our audience grows every episode through word of mouth. So uh, if you like this episode or if you think you know someone who might be interested in this or any other episodes, uh, let them know where to find us. So, Nuka, what is the next episode? I know Sammy's running it, so I'm super excited about that. Yeah, so the next episode is going to be about... Um, I had it written down here. Here we go. Uh, how I Found Furry. So it's going to be... We've alluded to this a few times throughout the season and in earlier seasons, but uh, going to have a big old conversation about uh, how do we find it, you know, find our, our way to that rabbit hole, uh, tripping, stumbling, falling into this uh, fandom of ours. So we've done this particular subject before, but I think that what's great about it is it gets um, everybody has their story. So if you're listening to this this episode you have a story that has helped you and i think that it's important to to share that particular story just to be able to help other people know um that they're not alone in feeling some of the same exact feelings so um please feel free to share your story about how you found the fandom itself and i guess uh that's that's it so uh this has been uh nuka and this has been Rue. And this has and been, this has been for, what for What It's, it's Worth. worth.